the issue as we continue looking at intellectual property is who owns which intellectual property rights. Again, as we look at what is intellectual property, it's a work or innovation that is the result of creativity. Welcome to the Church Council Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Story. I'm an attorney who specializes in church law, and I want to invite you along the journey as we explore my years of volunteering, working for, and then acting as legal counsel for the local church. During each episode, we will examine one of the three essential parts of building a secure church, your foundation, the framing, and the facade, where the foundation is your church's core beliefs, the framing is your operational structure, and the facade is the outward connectivity to your members and guests. Using this Framework. We hope to simplify church law and proactively protect the minister's ministry and mission of your church and prepare you along the way for handling the unexpected events as they arise. The Church Podcast, the YouTube channel, they're both full of copyrights, but who owns these rights? Does the pastor own the rights? Does the church own the rights? Who would be getting paid if there's income based on something created, whether that's a book, a sermon? Who is the proper person to own these rights? And how do we make sure that your church has clarity regarding the actual creation of the copyrights which your church creates each and every week? Today, I want to give you easy steps to clarify who owns these copyrights, how you're creating them, and some quick tips on making sure that there's clarity regarding the church copyrights that you create so ultimately we can know who owns the sermon. Thanks for listening to the Church Council Podcast. If your church needs assistance with its foundation, framing, or facade, call the Church Council a law firm for churches brought to you by the Story Law Firm, PLLC. Visit churchcouncil.com or call 1-877-273-3830. Whether your church bylaws need an update or you need policies and procedures reduced to writing, let the Church Council be your trusted legal source. Visit churchcouncil.com today. And now, here's Travis. Hello, church, and welcome back to the Church Council Podcast. Today, we are talking about the church and copyrights as we continue our series on church intellectual property rights. Today, we're specifically talking about the copyrights that your church owns and is creating each and every week. And as we do this, we're going to view this through the three components of a church, which we normally look at, which is the foundation, the framing, and the facade. The foundation being the core of who your church is, the framing be the structure that holds your church up, and the facade being the exterior that your church members and guests see and experience. Today, we are continuing to talk about the framing of your church, because this is one of the core things that holds your church together. The issue as we continue looking at intellectual property is who owns which intellectual property rights. Again, as we look at what is intellectual property, it's a work or innovation that is the result of creativity. This can be the result of manuscript design to which one has rights and which one may apply for a patent, copyright, or trade secret. Now, We have not dealt with patents. We are not going to deal with patents or trade secrets. We deal with the things of the Bible. These are not exactly trade secrets. 
So we are going to deal with trademarks, which we have previously talked about. Trademarks being marks, whether that's goods or services, that we can mark the name of the church, for example, a ministry name. We could trademark something that is a specific logo, a specific color, a specific style. Then we also have talked about copyrights. Copyrights are typically works that are put together. Commonly, we think of these as things like a book, a song. Uh, They can also be movements. So you could have a dance that is copyrighted. You could have a play that is copyrighted. There are lots of things that we can have that are actually copyrighted. Um, These are things which can be performed and then can be sold or distributed. And so when we look at the copyright, we understand that there are different ways your church uses copyrights each and every week. The first way is actually when you are displaying copyrighted work, whether that's in your church's publication, that's inside the actual church service, uh, you are using copyrighted material, whether you know it or not. And we need to make sure that you are using the material in such a way as you either have permission, you have ownership, or you have a license for If you don't have permission, ownership, or a license, then you should not use that copyrighted material in anything your church is producing. We talked last episode that there are a few exceptions to that. Um, One, there is fair use. Fair use being something you can use basically a little bit of whatever that is. (coughs) And once you use a little bit of whatever the actual copyright work is, that can be fair use and you would not have to pay for that. But there are very strict limitations to that. And we can always run afoul of fair use very easily. The next way is we simply purchase the rights, whether that's buying it from the copyright holder directly or something that we could apply a blanket copyright license to. For example, you could have a blanket copyright license to all the songs that you might sing on a Sunday morning that you're going to project the words for those songs for. Um, That would be a place where you could buy a a license that would allow you to basically use any of the songs uh, that would be something you'd perform on a Sunday morning uh, in your church, And then that would be reported and ultimately the copyright owners would be paid uh, according to how you can use that within your blanket license agreement. Today, though, we really want to focus in on the copyrights that you are creating. And yes, you are creating copyrights, whether you know it or not, whether you apply for them or not, each and every Sunday. If your church records anything that it does on a Sunday morning, you are creating copyrights. And this can be recording the audio only to uh, distribute, whether that's on a podcast, whether that's on traditional forms of media, you're literally going to burn a CD for somebody. Um, I still know of a church that's actually still doing a tape ministry. So they are putting things on cassette tapes. If that's how you're still distributing uh, content, that's fine. 
whatever you're doing, if you are recording some of the media that you are doing on a Sunday morning, some of the content to any form of media, then you are creating copyrighted works. Now, what is a copyrighted work? The entire work would be the entire service. But within that, there might be other copyrights. And so this is where copyright layering becomes uh, in effect, such as when we start talking about who owns what, one of the things we have to ask is that song that just got performed, who owns that song? Was it something that you were singing as a result of a license? Was it a brand new song created by one of your uh, staff members? If you have your minister of music, uh, worship minister, and they create a new song and everybody sings it, who owns that particular part of the song? What about the, the message that's delivered, the sermon that's delivered by the pastor? Who owns that? What happens if you have a guest preacher come in? Who owns that? These are the questions we're talking about. Within each Sunday service, there are a myriad of copyrights that could be owned and could be needed to be handled adequately. And if you're not thinking about that, then oftentimes we just say, well, we, we copyrighted the whole thing, copyrighted the whole service. And we're putting that on a uh, YouTube page. We're putting that on a podcast. We're putting it to broadcast media. I, I don't know where you're putting all this out to, but we must think about who is ultimately receiving uh, the credit, who's receiving the benefit for these things. One of the things that a church often overlooks is a principle in law called work for hire. Now, work made for hire is a big deal because this is uh, the principle which would say if you are creating a work at your job, that work does not belong to you, even though it may be your creative energy, your creative juices, so to speak, that have helped create this finalized work. That work belongs to the employer because you were doing this creativity within the space that you were being compensated for. Meaning if I am hired as a music minister and part of my job is to do music on Sundays, to lead worship, to do things like this. But part of my time is also spent to create a brand new worship song. Well, then that new song has copyrights that are attached to it from the moment you are done with it. You do not have to apply. You do not have to receive notice. Uh, you don't have to do anything to hold a copyright. In fact, a lot of people never go apply, which is what theoretically you're supposed to do. And instead, they might even put on a video uh, the copyrighted symbol, which is the C with a circle around it. If someone sees this C with the circle around it, they should know they've got to find the original source and they need to be able to use that work only after receiving some kind of permission, paying some kind of fee, doing something so that they can copy that work. Now, what do we do when we don't know who is to own what? And this is, this is one of the stickiest parts for a church. 
For example, the classic question of who owns the sermon. Well, we have long since said that who owns the sermon is the person who is paying to create the sermon. Meaning, if a pastor, and most pastors have some kind of job description, and most of them contain something that talks about them creating sermons or doing the work to prepare to preach on a Sunday. So, if your job is the pastor, or as the pastor, is to create a sermon for Sunday, and you create a sermon, who owns that work? Well, the short answer is, this is why we should have clarity, but the work made for hire law would say that the person who is in their employment is creating it for their employer. So if the church has employed the pastor, the pastor's job is to make ready uh, to preach on, on Sunday. Well, then guess what? The pastor is not the copyright owner. The church should be the copyright owner. Now, how do we look at this when, for example, some pastors I know do most of their sermon prep at home? So they may not be using church equipment. They may not be theoretically even using church's time, um, although it would be some working hours maybe, but what if they did it all in the morning or, or something along those lines? This is where the sticky issues come in, because then we have this expectation that, no, I own the the, the sermon, the content, the whatever, uh, as the pastor and not the church. Well, the church should be the default party who would actually own something, because if that is done in any aspect of the actual employee's employment, well, then that's... By definition, a work made for hire. We are paying the pastor in this case to help lead the flock. And part of that is in order to do um, sermons, which everybody can come and uh, attend in person. They can watch online. They can do, you know, listen to a podcast. They can do all these different things. So because of this, it is most likely that the pastor does not own the content of the sermon, but that the church does. Now, here's a few issues that oftentimes come up. And from experience, I can tell you part of the problem with them coming up is a lot of times they come up at the end, meaning we've just had a church uh, decide they are going to change uh, senior pastors, for example. That pastor wants to go and do something. Um, sometimes they want to start a, a separate ministry. Sometimes they want to uh, start a different actual church. One of the issues that comes up frequently is what do we do with the library of content that has been generated over the years? Is that something that the actual pastor uh, would now take control over? Or is it something that we would have the church retain control over those past sermons, those those past things? And then that would mean that if a pastor was asked to leave, for example, and then let's say they decided to base a book on a sermon that they had already preached, well, then that might be a con that might be a copyright violation against the church because the church would own the original 
copyrighted work that thus became the basis for, you know, a new work, a new book, for example. This is when we get to the sticky situations. So if a pastor is going to want to own the sermons, then they clearly need to say, hey, I want to go do this. They need to use time off to create that. They need to um, use their own laptop, for example, to create the work. They need to use their own equipment. They need to make sure that no one can come back and say, uh, you know, this should be this should be credited different because of how it was done. You, pastor, were doing this on quote-unquote church time versus your own personal time. I can tell you from experience that these are not easy things to deal with as you're making a change from or to a pastor. These are not easy things to deal with generally at any time, but they are always much easier to deal with in the absence of any particular allegations or facts that could cause problems. So, we don't want to wait till the church has asked the pastor to leave to figure out who owns all the content. We don't want to have to wait until the pastor is done writing a book and now saying, okay, I wrote this on my own time. I now have the full copyright and uh, there should be some kind of residual um, payments if the, the church is using this information, using the book, using the data, using something, then then that would be something we would really like to have contained in an agreement uh, up front. This is also true when we have things like church media individuals. They are creating, they are editing various um, pieces of copyrighted work. Again, whether or not they go and register all the copyrighted work or not is not what we're talking about. There is technically still time. What we're talking about is making sure that everybody is clear with agreements on who owns what. When we get to multiple split interests, this is an even more important issue to deal with who owns what. For example, what happens when the pastor's been writing a book? But now the pastor wants to come up and they want to put together a series of videos, for example, that goes with the book. Does the church own that book? Does the pastor own the book? Those are questions to work out ahead of time. The other issue is if someone creates a song and they are at the church they everything's fine, but then for one reason or another, they leave. Um, does that song, as the copyrighted work part of the song, does that go with um, with the individual? Can we still use it? Is there any kind of royalties? Are we able to uh, use it under a blanket license like we've talked about? Um, these are these are big issues. What do we do when the pastor preached the sermon? As we've said, pastor preaches the sermon and then develops a book. The book is then sold. Where do the royalties go? Now, it's not wrong to say, well, the pastor did that. He would get the royalties or we're trying to, you know, make sure that the pastor's well taken care of. And so we go down those roads. That's fine. What we need to make sure of 
is that at all times we have clarity. Now, what happens when we've been going down the road, like many of you have been, and we've created lots of content already? We've now got a library of content, uh, both songs and sermons, things like that. Can those be assigned? The answer is yes. We can transfer the rights from one person to another person or one entity to another person. So if we decide that is worthwhile and that is what we're going to do, we can definitely put that together. Now, the one issue uh, I, I see is to make sure that if somebody is to be receiving any kind of royalty payments, as we talked about in episode 11, um, somebody may be getting paid because there's a blanket licensing agreement. Who would that be? Who owns the copyright? And so if we are giving something, if we are assigning something from one party to another party, and that is generating income currently, we, we need to understand how that income gets attributed and ultimately what some of the income tax issues would be surrounding that. One issue that oftentimes comes up is when we start trying to sell copyrighted works in association with other items. If the pastor has preached a sermon series and we are putting that together um, and that is something that can be purchased for this sermon series, whether that's video content, audio only content, whatever. Um, if we have that situation, one thing we have to look at, and we've talked about this briefly, is what happens when the ministry receives income from, let's say, the creation of a song. Is this unrelated business income? Is this UBIT? Is it not? We want to make sure we understand that so we don't hurt or jeopardize the tax exemption that most churches have. So we need to, in all cases, make sure that we have a clear agreement with the pastor, with the music minister, if anybody else is coming up with or performing um, any kind of copyrighted works, then we want to make sure we understand who properly owns those. This is something to do way at the beginning of a relationship. If we, if we are hiring a new pastor, for example, I would want them to come in and to say, hey, I am going to... Um, fund this book project by myself. I am going to do all the things that I need to do. And then I ultimately am going to sell the book and make sure that all of that's disclosed, all of that's documented. Um, but that would be how your church could handle it. If we're already down the road and we're not actually sure who owns what, at, you know, some point, then yes, can we assign the rights to all the sermons in the past to the, to the pastor? 
The answer is yes. And I would encourage you to do that on the front end. If we have already gotten down the road and we now find ourselves uh, where this is an issue, then we need to look clearly at the creation, the intent, how all of that uh, should have been most properly handled. And so as we look at the copyrights that are created each and every week, we want to make sure we understand who owns these works, where we can use these works, if there are any kind of additional uh, licenses or agreements that we need, such as um, a talent agreement. If we've got somebody who is on the stage singing the songs, we're taking lots of recorded video shots of them during the actual um, service, then we want to make sure we have all of the proper releases in place so that that person has released us to use their image and likeness in whatever manner that, that we see fit. And so those would be really important things to make sure we have. So as we conclude today's episode and look at how to make sure your church has all the intellectual property rights, whether those be trademarks or copyrights, wrapped up, my biggest issue that churches have is not being clear. And as we've talked about today, using some kind of clearly written document where we understand who owns the rights that are created within the church, within the church service itself, is a key to making sure that your church is adequately protected so that if someone comes and tries to use the copyrighted work, we know that we have all the options available to us from injunctions where we can prohibit somebody from doing it to collecting of the actual value of whatever work has been delivered or reperformed or done. And so the clarity on the front end is invaluable when we start talking about who owns the sermon that just got preached on in your church last Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to the Church Council Podcast. I've been your host, Travis Story. I truly hope that the practical takeaways from today's episode is something that will bless and protect your ministry. If you found today's discussions helpful and want to be updated as we publish new content, please subscribe so that you're notified as new episodes become available. Also, if you found that today was worthy of your time, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice so that other ministries can find and be blessed by this content. Until next time, keep serving and protecting your ministries.